If you know me, you know that I really like efficient things <laughs> that require very little effort. I like finding fast ways of doing things, and this is one of the fastest ways to feel better in three easy steps. Welcome to the Liminal Zone Alchemist, the podcast for when you're stuck between the patterns of your past and the pull of your purpose. I'm your host, Sally Hardy, and each week I'll be challenging your understanding of what it is to be a human in the modern world. I'll help you free your innate genius from the socialized shadows, reconnect with your inner knowing, and lean into that pull, letting your purpose guide and support you with ease to the impact that only you can make in the world. Okay, get comfy, set your brain to curious, and let's get on with the episode. Hello, lovely ones. I hope that you are splendiferous this week. I'm certain that's a word. If not, it now is. I hope you're having a wonderful week. I hope you continue to have a wonderful week. And if by some strange little quirk of fate, you happen to be feeling a little bit hinky, this episode, I'm going to be offering you one of the simplest ways to get awareness on why that might be and how to feel better. I'm going to simplify it to three crazy easy steps. But the umbrella of the whole thing is that I'm asking you to watch your language. Anybody who knows me knows that that's just a hysterical thing to come out of my mouth because I have a bit of a potty mouth and I rarely watch my language in the same way that most of us may assume that that sentence is used. It's used around kids, right? Watch your language. Be careful what you're saying. Be careful because other people will hear you and other people will think something. They will feel something. It's a sentence you may have heard when you were a child. You may have said it to a child. Watch your language. But this week we're talking about watching your own language. Your language towards yourself. We're usually pretty aware of our reactions to what other people say to us. And we're programmed to be kind of social mind readers for the impact that our words may have on someone else, our partners, our work colleagues, our kids, or, you know, anybody, anybody out there in the world. If certain words are used to describe us by other people, like, you're so annoying, you're driving me crazy, you talk too much, you don't know what you're doing. We have thoughts about that. We have feelings about that. If we don't believe these words, they slide off us like we're, like we're Teflon. Like someone saying that they hate your brown eyes if you've got blue eyes, or they hate your blue eyes if you've got brown eyes. There are no barbs, no kind of daggers that come attached to sentences if we don't relate to them. If there isn't something in us that recognizes something in that sentence. But even if there's just a little squidge of us that believes or that worries about something that's contained in those words, those words that are being said, if we think even the smallest amount of them might be true, well, then we get upset, we get defensive, maybe we feel angry or righteous or sad. And the more often we hear things, the more we believe them. The more often somebody may have an opinion on us, about us, 
the more likely we are to believe it. And the more authority, whether it's real or perceived, that the person saying that thing has in our mind, the more likely we are to believe what they say. For example, I remember my P5 teacher, so I was eight, nine years old, telling me that if I thought that anybody was interested in what I had to say, I was very much mistaken. And something inside of me in that moment became really heavy. And it's something that I've been unpacking for years. I thought he knew something I didn't. I thought he was telling me a truth. He had authority. It wasn't the only time he said it. That's the thing with authority. Like we're trained socially, culturally, we're trained to be under it, to be less than it, to be, to have knowledge inferior to the authority, to not question it, to accept what authority offers us as the truth. The truth that we're better off knowing, thank you very much, even if it hurts. None of that is true, but it is how we are trained. So repetition, especially from somebody who in bunny ears knows more than us, maybe even more about us, can create a belief within us when we hear things repeated from someone who knows. It can create a belief so solid about ourselves that we think it's fact. Now, if you apply that to the one person who knows you way better than everybody else and whose thoughts and opinions you hear way more frequently than anybody else, it's you. How do you talk to you? Do you watch your language? What words are you using to talk about yourself in your head or even out loud? And are you aware of how your opinions of you make you feel. You may already be aware that you think, or maybe sometimes you even say out loud some pretty awful things to and about yourself, and you may say them quite seriously. So you may catch the ones that you say seriously. You may think, oh, hang on a minute, that's, mm, gosh, do I really think that? You may catch those, but be onto yourself because there are many different ways that we talk to ourselves that fly under the radar. You might say something incredibly critical in a really lighthearted or a jokey way. You might offer yourself as like the punchline to somebody else's joke, getting in there before they do so that you can like own the sting of the insult. If I say it about me, it doesn't hurt so much. If you say it about me, it really hurts. But you saying it about you still hurts. Maybe you find yourself laughing, oh, that was so stupid, I do stuff like that all the time. I'm such an idiot. Maybe you knock back compliments. Oh, well, that, I was just, I was just lucky. There's no way that I could do it again. There's no way I'll do so well next time. That was a fluke. Oh, this, thank you. Um, it was in the sales, it was super cheap. I normally couldn't afford something like this, but it's the dress that's lovely, not me, or the trousers, or the haircut, or the passing away compliments. The chances are, since you are a human, that you've been saying some form of bitey, pointy little statements or words about and to yourself for so long 
that you have started to believe that you are just stating fact, like you're reporting the weather. Your authority and your repetition has built a belief that these opinions are fact. Maybe you're not sure, but they sound like they could be true. Things like, I always take on too much and then I never finish anything. You could look to your past, you can find evidence of this. But is that a helpful thing to say to yourself? Is it true? I never have enough energy. Well, that sounds like it could be true, but it's not. It is an undefined, vague statement that is going to prevent you doing things. I'm such an idiot. Even if you say it in a funny way, like, oh my God, I'm such an idiot. It's not a nice thing to say to yourself, to believe about yourself. Even if you couch it in a funny way, couch it in comedy. I've heard also people say things like, it's just, it doesn't seem, I just can't be happy. It's impossible for me to just be happy with what I've got. I shouldn't want more. These, all of these things are opinions about what you deserve in life. They're attached, they're hooked into your worth. Maybe something happens and you say something along the lines of, I'm such a disaster. I'm such a complete mess. I never get it. I just never get it right. Now, these are examples that I've heard in my practice, and I hope that when you hear them, you can register that they aren't pleasant sentences. And when they're going around in your head, when they're repeating with the authority of you knowing you, that you can believe that they are fact, but they are not fact, no matter how much evidence your brain can find to support them. So while yes, these things are said in my practice, I've heard them, I've also said them to myself. One phrase that I used to say to myself all the time was, I never manage to get it right. And I had tons of evidence to support this. I'd say it about everything. I'd say it about trying to choose the right words when I went to express myself and I'd get my words all tumbled up no matter how much I prepared, how much I planned, how much I knew what I wanted to say, I would open my mouth and my words would jumble. I'd say it about not being able to remember phone numbers. I'd say it if I took a wrong turn in the car and I would say it in front of my children to the point that once when I missed a turn on a drive, one of my kids from the back seat, and they were tiny at the time, piped up with what they thought was something comforting. You know, they were trying to be kind. And one of my kids said, don't worry, mummy. You never get it right. Don't worry. Mm. So then I added not getting it right in a mother sense. Like I'm not getting being a mum right. I shouldn't say these things in front of my kids. And I just added that into the list of more things that I never get right. Comments like this can become well, like a mantra, right? Like an affirmation. This is something that many people use now. An affirmation to believe something. Repetition, repetition, repeating, repeating, repeating. But these comments that aren't pleasant, it's the same. It's a well-rehearsed mantra. And it becomes a critical way of identifying something about yourself that you have come to believe is simply the way you are because you think it or you say it so often that you think it's fact, that you're actually describing 
a part of yourself, like you're describing your arm. And if, like me, that sounds familiar, we don't even notice we're doing it. We don't notice the effect, the cumulative effect that it has on us. How these sentences and these throwaway comments actually make us feel. All I knew when I kept repeating that I never get things right was that I doubted myself on everything because that is a very general statement that I could apply to everything. Even before I began doing something, I knew I wasn't gonna get it right. And I felt shame. Now, here's what I know about shame. No human feels shame in the singular, as in on your own. If you have ever felt shame, it's because of what you believe others will think about you, will think about your truth, whether it is actually true or whether it isn't, as in, I believed this sentence about myself and I did not want people to know that I never got it right. Others will find out. They won't want to be with me. They won't. Who would want to be with somebody who, who never gets it right? Who would trust somebody in a workplace with someone who, who would trust someone who never gets it right? And I would spiral because I believed this thought. How we talk to ourselves in our heads or out loud, it really matters. These sentences determine our feeling, not just in the moment, but like I said, cumulatively. And how we feel determines how we show up in the world. And how we show up determines our life, determines the outcomes that we have, the results, the life that we create for ourselves. So in my case, the sentence, I never managed to get it right, that gave me this feeling of doubt, and I, I felt that shame, well, that meant very often I didn't even start things, certainly not new things that I had no hows with. I would constantly look for somebody else's strategy, but more often than not, I gave up before I even started because I knew as a fact that I wasn't gonna get it right. So what was the point? What was the point in even starting. And then of course that, I mean not starting or starting in such a lackluster way or starting by following somebody else's path, simply gave me more and more evidence that belief was the truth. I wasn't getting it right. I couldn't even get starting stuff right. So today I offer you an observational exercise. Explore how you talk to yourself. Write down all of the, like the typical ways that you describe yourself, you refer to yourself, the good, the bad, the ugly, write them all down. You might not know what you say about yourself or your brain might be telling you that, but keep your ears open. And if you don't catch phrases, then those who are around you, They'll have been catching them on your behalf. They will know how you talk to you, like my kids in the back of the car. Ask people who you are around often. Ask people who know you well, who you spend time with. And ask them, what are the kind of things that I say about myself all the time? You may be surprised at what they hear you say. I know that if, like most humans, you're not already watching your language, what you end up writing down, it may surprise you, but what it's really going to do is explain an awful lot 
about how you're feeling. What I want you to do next, what I want you to do, what you have the option to do, should you choose to do so, is to check in with yourself as you read through these things, these descriptions, these statements. How do they feel to you? How do you feel as you read them? When I say like check in with yourself and, and how do you feel, like imagine doing a body scan. So our feelings are sensations that we experience in our whole body, sometimes maybe the back of your head, maybe in your chest, maybe your tummy flips, maybe you feel like you've got butterflies, perhaps your hands get tingly. How would you categorize those sensations? Do they feel expansive? Are you feeling tight? This part of the exercise is going to help explain so much about how you're feeling on a day-to-day -day basis. If you are experience a, a feeling when you read one of these sentences or one of these statements, if you experience like an expansive, yummy, gorgeous, oh, that's just mm, feeling, that's great. That is a statement that serves you. And if you're experiencing something that feels tight, that feels conflicting, that feels really shameful, that feels deep and dark and small, well, you get to have a look at that. If that is how that sentence feels, it's really good to know that that is something you're saying to yourself. That is a way that you are describing yourself. And then you simply get to notice when you're using these sentences and be curious out there in the world, on your day-to-day -day basis, on your, when I talk to this person, when I talk to that person, when I'm in this situation, oh, that's when I think those things about me. Oh, that's when I say those things. That's when I dismiss myself. That's when I treat myself like the punchline to somebody else's joke. Now, I'm not suggesting that you try to resist or sever these thoughts. Just notice them. How do they make you feel? And when you feel that way, what do you do? Or what do you not do? Oh, that's interesting. At some point in your life, your brain thought that it was really incredibly important to think these thoughts, to think and or say these statements, these descriptions, these defining things. It thought it was a really important thing to do, probably for your survival. So this isn't a process of judging those statements. It's not a process of, I know who said that to me, that's their fault. We're just going to become compassionately aware of these sentences. And I promise you, simply noticing them and becoming aware of them will create a shift for you in the language that you use. For me, just noticing when I was saying, I never managed to get anything right. Just noticing the effect that that had in my body with a slight curiosity was enough to discover one day that I'd stopped saying it. And I caught that because I heard somebody else say it, not about me, about them. And I thought, oh, I haven't heard me say that sentence in a really long time. I had just stopped. It was enough just to notice and to feel, to organically let go of that sentence. 
And you know what? I do get a lot of things right. I was always getting things right. It just simply wasn't what that mantra, that statement was directing my attention to. So that's it, lovely one. How are you talking to yourself? How are you talking about yourself? Write it down. Notice the effect that these words, statements, descriptions that you may believe are fact, but they aren't fact. Notice how they make you feel. What happens within your body when you say them, think them, read them of yourself? And when you feel that thing, notice what you do or don't do next, because that is what is playing out in your life with these words. I hope that going through this process, this light touch of awareness and the shift that I have felt by doing this and that a number of my clients have, I hope that this allows you to open up to sentences and descriptions and opinions of yourself that serve you, that allow and help you to feel better without really putting an awful lot of effort in. Because listen, if you know me, you know that I really like efficient things <laughs> that require very little effort. I like finding fast ways of doing things. And this is one of the fastest ways to feel better in three easy steps. If you enjoyed this episode, and I hope very much that you did, don't forget to hit subscribe so all future episodes get automatically downloaded to your listening platform. And come hang out with me over on Instagram. My handle is at sallyhardy underscore coach. 